As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations. Random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations number seven. Kelly, on this episode, we have an old friend of mine from way back in the day who I had no idea was into ghosts and found out he is a ghost hunter. He has his own group called Ghost Ops Paranormal. I call him Big Sarge. Everybody else will know him as Robert Brandt. And we had a great time talking to him. Yeah, he was a blast. I really enjoyed our conversations. All right. So here it is. Ghost Ops Paranormal is a supernatural task force founded and headed by my good friend, Robert Brandt, whom I know as Big Sarge. Big Sarge is a U.S. Army veteran who approaches the field with a balance of skepticism and belief, using science to delve into the mysterious. He has a master's in forensic psychology, which gives him an empathetic connection to spirits. He also hosts the Big Haunts with Big Sarge podcast. Ghost Ops Paranormal is out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and they've investigated a variety of reputedly haunted locations, including a church where they've collected some amazing evidence. Please welcome Robert Brandt, a.k.a. Big Sarge, to the show. Thank Yay. you. I love being here. Hello. Hi. Just to let the listeners know, Big Sarge and I go way back, like over a decade, probably, maybe even more. Years. Yeah, 15 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I know the listeners have heard me mention a few times that I used to host a political internet radio show and Big Sarge did the same thing. And that's how we got to know each other. And neither one of us knew that the other was into ghosts, paranormal investigating, weird stuff or anything. The only time I ever kind of let that creep in is on Halloween. I always did a Halloween show. Here we go along a few years later. We kind of lost touch. I mean, we were still friends on Facebook, but we didn't talk much. And then all of a sudden he popped into my messages one day and he's like, so you do like ghost hunting and you're into ghosts, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, so am I. And we just kind of went from there. And my goodness, the evidence that you guys have caught and stuff is just amazing. Why don't you start off letting everybody know how Ghost Ops Paranormal got started and also what got you into like the paranormal side and creepy side of stuff? Well, it was, it was by complete accident. As you said, I quit doing politics and a friend of mine hit me up one day, part of the team, Chad, and he said, did you ever think about ghost hunting? I was like, you mean like the guys do on TV? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, you know, that's sensationalized. He goes, well, let's do it. I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so we got a team together. We invested a, a ton of money into the equipment. And since we've been doing it, it's been, oh God, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that we've captured, I went into this as a skeptic and now I'm more of a believer in the science part of it and in the spiritual part of it than I was before. I mean, it is just an amazing field and um, uh, it's been, it's been a heck of a ride. Absolutely. How long have you guys been investigating as a team? For about two, almost two years. It'll be two years in uh, September. And Kelly and I, we both 
basically consider ourselves open-minded skeptics. And definitely as we've been getting evidence and experiencing things, especially with scientific kind of stuff, we are tipping the scale more towards the believer than the skeptic. Right. We always look for, you know, the obvious explanations. We try to debunk things, but most definitely we're believers, but we do still call ourselves open-minded skeptics. Just, you know, because you always want to figure out if that's really, truly what's going on. Right. It's, we're, we have the same mindset. We go in there. We have three. We have three tiers. We look at it. At we look. For, we look at it from a scientific perspective first. We look at it from a spiritual perspective second, and a personal perspective third. Because you can't discount the personal experiences you have at each of these locations as well. And just like you said, we go into this as a skeptic. You try to debunk things. One of the things that I pride our group on is everything that we capture. We try to go into number one, recreate the scenario to see if we get the same results, uh, which is very hard in this field, as I'm sure you know, uh, both of you know. And the second thing is we try to debunk everything because, you know, when you put stuff out there on social media, everybody's going to say it's a bug or it's dust or it's this or it's that. And if you at least put some type of validity to it, you know, it gives you that credibility. Before we get into talking about some of the haunted stuff, you had told me that you got a hold of an antique Ouija board. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, uh, that's actually one of the stories I wanted to tell you tonight. So a client of mine hit me up about two weeks ago, and she said, hey, my, my, my grandmother had this Ouija board in her garage, and my grandfather wants to burn it. And, and she was like, no, 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 don't burn it. I got a guy who probably wants it, and, you know, I'll, let's give it to him, so on and so forth. So she reached out to me and said, uh, you know, first she thought it was uh, 200 and some years old, and then we found out that it was actually made in 1903. We thought it was originally made in the 1700s, but it was made in 1903. We found the the guy who crafted the board. He's got his name on it. Plus, it has made in 1903 on the back. And, you know, we we did our research on it. And it's an original Ouija board. And it's in mint condition. That's amazing. So So I go to pick it up this week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens once you have it in your possession. She's got a Bible on top of it because she's afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you were anointing it with salt or putting it in a glass no. case or anything. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, here's, here's my belief in this. And, and this is the, some of the stuff that we've been able to, at least some of the theories we've been able to prove or, or, um, you know, work with during the, during our course of, during our tenure uh, doing this is our solid belief is if you're not messing with it, if you're not opening that lines of communication, then nothing can come through. If you're not opening yourself to, you know, to these circumstances, then it's completely safe. It's just like, I'll use the gun analogy. If you have it on safe, or if you don't have any bullets in it, or if you don't have any gas in your car, it's not going to go anywhere. The same thing with this. Sure. Makes sense. So I wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking about experiments coming at it from that more scientific side. Do you have a favorite experiment that you like to do when you're investigating? Yeah, my favorite experiment is, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. We didn't create it. It was created, one of the TV shows did it. But I I looked at it, I was like, wow, I really want to try this. And it has worked for us phenomenally. It's where you blindfold yourself and you put the uh, headphones on and you plug the headphones into your spirit box. And that person sits in a totally different room and the people are in the other room asking questions. And if that person hears anything come over the spirit box, they yell it out. We have gotten intelligent conversations from doing that. And that's one of my favorite experiments. Yeah, that's the Estes method. We love that one too. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah, we've gotten great stuff with it. And it's funny because Kelly is more sensitive when it comes to feeling kind of spiritual activity going on. And I always say I'm as psychic as a rock. She's more sensitive than that, but she doesn't give herself credit. <laughs> but I'm really good at the Estes method with picking up the words and, you know, because you hear so much coming through it, but you know that you're not supposed to be saying every little thing that you're hearing through. It's like you you key into what is needs to be said, even though you can't hear what's being asked. Right, right. And I think that lends some, you know, validity to uh, what you hear over over some of the spirit box and how you interpret it. Because if somebody's in another room asking questions, like we'll ask it, say the color red, next thing you know, you'll hear the guy in the other room say red or yellow or blue. And it's like, okay, there we go. Now we know we're, we're communicating with somebody or something, you know? And we always record the session 
because a lot of times when you're in the moment trying to think of things to ask, you may not always remember when right. the person that takes the earmuffs off and, and the earphones off as to what the whole conversation was, what the responses were. So it's nice to be able to review that after the fact and just have that realization in terms of, you know, things coming together that you might not have necessarily put together in that moment. Right. We have cameras rolling. Uh, we got, we got 16 cameras set up if we need 16 cameras, but we don't, we don't hardly ever use 16 cameras, maybe four to eight cameras, depending on the location that we go to. And, uh, but we'll, we'll try to get as much camera coverage and audio coverage as we, as we can. Very nice. And you have much more equipment than what we have. <laughs> Certainly. I love my toys. That's what I call them. (laughs) (laughs) So we like to ask everybody when it comes to the term ghost, Mm -hmm. what do you think a spirit is? It can be multiple things, whatever you think when people ask you, you know, you experience something. What was that? Oh, you ready for this? (laughs) All right. Here's my, my theory. Um, There's two things that led me to believe this. A lot of the uh, places that we've been into, we've gotten multiple of the multiple versions of the same people, and I think that it's either along the lines of of Einstein's theory of of parallel universes, and we're tapping into those parallel universes, or there is some type of other extraterrestrial communication going on that we're picking up through. There, there's been only two instances that I would say that we communicated with some spirit. And one of them was my grandmother, my nanny. I used to call her nanny. And if this happened in the church, we had the spirit box on and um, I wasn't even thinking about her. Wasn't no, she wasn't nowhere in my thoughts, wasn't projecting anything, you know, for that theory or anything. And next thing you know, I hear this, Hey, Bobby, I miss you. I love you. And it was her voice over the spirit box. And nobody calls me Bobby in my whole life, but she did when, you know, she died when I was young, around 16. And I was in tears by the end of the night. <laughs> I like, I got to go outside. I, I, I just could I loved her to death. I was her pick of the litter. And uh, um, she stuck around. She had cancer and she stuck around to see me turn 16 years old and passed away three days later. And uh, I didn't unfortunately get to see her go because she was in the hospital and I was uh, uh, somewhere else. And uh, that's kind of lived with me ever since. But when that came across, that was one. And then another was when we were at a restaurant. It was Visagio's. It's actually just right up the street here. It's not very far from here. I was doing the Estes method. Uh, I was the one that was blindfolded. And I had four conversations going on on the spirit box. And they were all talking about me. And one of them was telling the other one, well, get in him. Get in him. Do it. Do it now. We need to do it now. And the other one was like, no, you can't. He's protected. And they were going back and forth. And I was like, I just threw the <laughs> threw the headphones off. I said, holy crap, I don't know what I just heard. And we recorded the whole session. So we're going over it and we still can't make heads or tails about it. And of course, the third thing is the REM pod. I still can't, uh, I still can't explain the REM pod situation. And I'm sure um, both of you guys have seen that video. So I like that you mentioned that with hearing the spirits, because I often feel like when I'm listening to the spirit box, that they're not talking to us, that they're talking to each other. Right. Yes. Right. We've seen that a lot. And we've heard that a lot. Uh, like we'll ask, we'll ask questions and they'll be laughing at us. And then you'll hear conversations among them talking about us and in front of us. And we're like, okay, we're right here. You can talk to us, <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk to us, say our names. And, and here's the course of the action. The, the whole two years we've been doing this, you know, you've gotten some evidence. And I think I, I sent this to you where Sarge actually came over the spirit box for the whole two years we've been investigating. I kept saying, say Sarge, say Sarge, because that'll solidify that, you know, something intelligence is speaking with us and they know that we're here. And then just out of the blue, then this was a week and a half ago that 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 clip that I gave you was about a week and two weeks ago, two weekends ago, I did that and got that. And it said, uh, um, Sarge, you know, who's here? Sarge. And that was the first ever and only time ever that I heard that. So that was kind of phenomenal. That's a very cool video. I'm going to go ahead and I'll I'll put it in right here so that people can see what you're talking about. Who's down here? Sarge. Did I say Sarge? That's what it sounded like. That's why I look at you. And it is amazing. It just says, you know, you're like, I think you ask or somebody asks, who's down here? And Sarge, clear as day, comes across. 
Yeah, and that's the first time I heard that. And it, and you don't hear that, you know, that's a name, like you hear Robert or, or Stan or Adam or Fred or whatever, but you never hear Sarge. So something like that comes over, really makes you scratch your head. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, that has to be something that didn't just get through the radio signals. Right. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So it was really phenomenal. Yeah. The other really cool video that you sent is the word panic came across. And it was because you guys were talking about, uh, Christy had said, there's some kind of a code word. And if you can give us that code word, we'll know that you're you know, talking to us. See, what happened with that was we have uh, a friend of mine. She, her, her daughter was on Psychic Kids for the Travel Channel. And her daughter is really, really connected. Christy is, is, is connected as well. And she would remotely view our investigations. I would go live on Facebook uh, and she would remote view through uh, those uh, through that platform. And she messaged me before the night even began. She goes, listen, I gave the spirits a code word. And she, you know, I I think I sent you that 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 message. And uh, she said the code word is panic. She goes, keep asking what the code word is through the night and see if the spirits happen to say anything. Well, we went back down to the basement. This was at the church. And I, I, he just turned the spirit box on and I said, okay, Christy's in here. And then of course the spirit box immediately said, Christy's here. And then I was like, okay, well, let me segue into that. And I said, did Christy gave you guys a, a, a code word? What was the code word? And then plain as day, code words panic came across the spirit box. And I was like, oh no, we, well, I was going crazy. I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so fun. Let's breathe and take a uh, try to relax. You getting anything down here, Christy? Christy. Christy, right off the bat. What was Christy's code word for you guys? Oh, panic. That was it. No way. Christy, did you hear that? That was it. Panic. Amazing. But yeah, it was amazing. So both of those things happened at what you're calling the church. Can you tell everybody a little bit about this location? Sure. Um, I'm on the board of directors for uh, the Hoagstown. Um, uh, it's a Cumberland County Historical Society. I'm the vice president of the board. And uh, a lot of this, a lot of the uh, areas that we cover have a lot of historical sites in it. So I have access to a lot of these historical sites that were built back in the 1700s, 1800s, uh, even buildings of residential uh, houses. Uh, so that's what we've been doing. We've been investigating. Uh, they let us go in. We've been investigating. So this church, um, it's in Hoagstown, and I'm actually making a documentary right now. And I'm calling. I'm calling. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but right now it's tentative. A haunting in Hoagstown. This church was built back in 1858, and that is the church that we go to. And every single time we go there, it's just crazy stuff. Every single time. There's this old lady that's there. Um, when we first went in, we kept smelling this lavender perfume. And nobody was wearing perfume. It was all dudes, all right? So nobody was wearing lavender perfume. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody was, uh, uh, you know, joking with me and saying, Sarge, you got lavender perfume on? I said, no, I don't have lavender perfume on. It's my body wash. <laughs> I smelled it, and it was just so thick. And, I mean, it was just like somebody was standing right beside you. You could smell it. And then this lady came over the um, uh, spirit box and said, my name is Maude. How are you? And so the night went on, night went on. And JR kind of meandered back into the back, one of the back rooms where they have all the historical articles and the setup. And they found an article written about a curator that used to curate and used to take care of the church. Her name was Maude and she wore lavender perfume. That was her trademark perfume. So every time we go in there now, Maude loves me. She talks to me every time we go in there. That's fantastic. And, you know, with History Goes Bump, we had (laughs) an interesting recording one time, and I think you called it a nose picture. Yeah. Anytime (laughs) we get like a scent that's paranormal in nature. Yeah. We start calling those nose pictures. (laughs) I'm going to start. I'm going to help you coin that now. Nose picture. (laughs) But it it started off as like a joke, and then it's just kind of morphed into its own thing. Actually, one of our listeners even sent a a cartoon character of it. So we have that up on our Instagram. Very nice. Awesome picture. It's cool that you uh, share that information because I literally was just going to ask you is there any way you can access membership roles to see if she was a member of the church? But she was more than just a member of the church. So it explains why she would have a connection to the church and want to be sticking around. 
Yeah, and a very strong one. Her presence is very strong. Now, the last time we were in there, we kept getting, and JR was, JR doesn't, we call him ghost bait. And the reason, that's his, <laughs> that's his nickname, ghost bait. And the reason why we call him ghost bait is because the ghosts love to just latch onto him and, man, they'll get him ramped up and then they'll make him feel sad. So he's like a flurry of emotions when he goes in there. And we were down in the basement. Some told us, Christy was remote uh, remote viewing with us. And she's like, go down into the basement. And we're like, okay, well, the basement's like a cutout basement. You've seen the picture of it. So, you know, I'm six foot four. So I barely fit in there. I was so tall. So I'm hitting my head on the rafters. And JR is six foot. So he barely fit in there. So both of us are down in there. And then he started getting ramped up and feeling angry and, and frustrated. I mean, you heard me say uh, on that one one video, just take a deep breath and, and try to relax. And uh, there's something not right down in that basement going on. And I think now, to, now that I've been revealing a, a lot more of my evidence, sorry about that, that's my cats. Um, now that I've been revealing more of that evidence, I've been seeing that a lot of the bad stuff that has been happening in that church, every time we go down in the basement, something happens. So I've been, uh, you know, going back and reviewing some of that old evidence of that to try to make sense of it. But whatever's in that basement is not right. And you can feel it. It has a dirt floor down there, right? Yeah, it certainly does. Yep. And that's your wonder, is there something buried there? We thought that, um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we looked at the, the, uh, the church history and, and so on and so forth, and we could never find anything. The only thing that we did find that was remotely close to it, there used to be a bar. Um, they, they eventually turned the church into a house. And the, the, the story behind the house, the church or the house that got the church that got converted into a house is the people who used to live in it, live in it just up and left because it was so crazy haunted. They didn't want to take none of their stuff with them. They donated wow. it to the, to the historical society and said, we're out of here. We don't want to rent this place no more. And nobody has lived in there since. And I could see why. But down the road, when it was a residential place, down the road, a couple of houses down, there was a bar and there was a shooting there. And there was a gentleman that died and walked up to the church and died at the church on the footsteps or around that area, I believe. And um, whether it has something to do with that, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's really weird. And that other video that you sent me, and you were talking about this just a little bit ago about this REM pod that gets hit with what looks like a, a light bolt or something and tips it over. Tell, tell the listeners about that. And that was at the church too, right? Yes, it was at the church. We have, they were down in the basement during that, when that happened, there was two, there was a female and one of the females and the male were down in the basement and they were doing a spirit box session. Well, um, they kept talking to this one entity down there and the entity kept coming over the spirit box and they thought it was a little boy named Zach and the little boy named Zach wanted to play on the spirit box. You can hear it on one of the videos. He said, there's devices upstairs you can play with, go play with one of the devices. And that was like 10 minutes prior to this happening. Um, so we're all sitting outside and they're in the basement. They're, they're the only two in the house. And we're sitting there looking at the, uh, you know, at the base camp. And next thing you know, we see this big bright flash light and this, I can't explain it other than it just, it looks like an energy weapon to me. And, you know, it, the way it appears, just like zap, looked like something out of Star Trek. Came down, hit our REM pod. And when you set the REM pod off, it only supposed to go off for two to three seconds. It went off for a solid seven seconds. And which means that energy was constant. And of course we ran in, took readings, the whole nine yards, didn't get anything, nothing on any of our readings, no high EMF. Um, the one thing though, we did notice there was a lot of high static electricity and it's, and it's odd because that place isn't, there's nobody living in there. So it's really damp and you know, in an damp environment, static electricity is not prevalent, but it was there. So yeah, really phenomenal footage. It is amazing because I would almost say it looks CGI because it's such a bright streak of white that goes down, but you know, it can't be because in order for you guys to have even, let's say, faked something like this, right. you would have had to have thought, Hey, let's CGI in this white bolt of light. And then had like some kind of string that you could pull the REM pod over with. And then somehow manufacture a way that it would just keep going off. Cause once the REM pod tips over, it's eventually going to be like, you know, Done. Yeah. Two, three seconds of beeps and it's done, but that went straight right. seven seconds. Now I slowed the video footage down frame by frame and you can see what you can't see in that, but once you zoom it up and, and you slow it down frame by frame, 
and it's like a split second. It takes like a, probably half a second, probably about as big as a small pancake, about this big, uh, this portal, I guess if that's what you want to call it, appears. And the light comes out of the portal and shoots down into the REM pod and knocks the REM pod over. So that's what we've seen. And I just, I just can't explain it. I don't know that's if it was phenomenal. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I can't explain it. We tried to recreate the scenario. As a matter of fact, the last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago when we were over there, I sat out in the hallway and the REM pod was going off in front of me. And I was probably about seven, eight feet away from it. And we had a little, one of those little motion balls um, in, in, the, in the hallway. And we had another REM pod in the hallway on the other side of me. Both of them were going off like something was walking back and forth. And every once in a while, I feel like a brush of cold air. And whether it was a spirit or whether it was a draft, I don't know. But um, I try to, like I said, I try to look at it from a scientific perspective first. But what was ever it was in there was walking up and down that hallway. I heard footsteps. You heard the footsteps on the video. Um, I was doing a Facebook Live during the time. You heard the footsteps on the Facebook video. And I was like, look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sitting down. There's nobody in here but me. <laughs> you know, and we're scanning around and everybody's going, oh, my God, I can hear him. I can hear him. Just plain as day. Somebody walking up and down the, uh, walking up and down the, the hallway there. And the REM pods were going off. How old is this Zach that you've mentioned? No, he hasn't told us. We think he's probably eight, 10 years old, maybe 12. And we've done research. We did a historical background check. Nothing comes up about Zach anywhere. One of the interesting things for Kelly and I is when I first started doing the podcast, I would tell people that I didn't think there was such a thing as child ghosts because I couldn't believe that a loving creator would leave children behind. And so I was like, it just must be something mimicking children. Mm -hmm. And then we started investigating and Kelly is a mom. So she gives off that mom energy. And we've had so many amazing interactions with children and what seems to be children spirits. They haven't done anything negative. I would think if something is trying to be a trickster, that it would do something kind of negative to you eventually. And so we have gotten to a place where I'm like, I guess there is such a thing as, as child ghosts. Uh, how many of them have you guys run into as you've been doing your investigating? Only ever two. We were at uh, the Clifton Theater, um, which was in North Pennsylvania. And that theater was built back in the 1800s. And it went through a fire it was a brothel at one time. Um, it had a lot of history, a lot of bad history there. And that place was filthy haunted. Uh, we got so much activity in there. We were down in the basement basement where all the, fa- the original foundations were. And there was a, they used to hide slaves down in there too. You know, the, it was part of the, the railroad. So um, there was rumored that a little boy didn't make it through and he ended up dying down there. Um, we couldn't collaborate that, couldn't, you know, no historical records showed up about it, but it was an urban, you know, it was an urban legend. Well, we were down there. I was down in the basement by myself and you had to literally walk down in it and there was no lighting down there or nothing. And it was just massive. Um, it looked like something out of a movie and I'm sitting there down, down there by myself. And I'm like, am I stupid or what? <laughs> if I'm going to get attacked <laughs> by, a, by a rat or by something, I'm going to, I'm going to freak out. So I'm sitting down there. And next thing you know, I feel a little tug on my on my jacket. We have a we had a camera down there, and I'm talking, and they can hear me because our cameras have two way or one way audio. And I'm like, guys, I just felt something tug on me. Um, refer to this in the camera. I want to see if we can catch it on the camera. Unfortunately, we didn't, but I felt something tug on me. And I was doing live EVP um, at that time, and I could hear uh, my Tascam picks up so much good stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to it, and I hear this, "Hey, Mister, how are you?" And I'm like, I just heard a voice. Did you guys hear that? You know, I'm saying, did you guys hear that on the camera and uh, mark it? And, you know, I'm doing everything here to try to mark everything. And I'm marking it on here. And then the little kid said, what, what are you marking? <laughs> oh, like, my Finish. goodness. Well, I'm, this is the first time I had used my Tascam. And I thought it was on record. And it wasn't on record. So that whole conversation I had with that little kid, I did not capture on audio. I'm kicking myself in the butt. And of course, uh, it was so good. He, he, the kid was a, every time I, he wouldn't talk to nobody but me. I walked down there and he would just start talking a storm up. The other guys went down there and I guess they scared him off because when I went back down there, I couldn't get anything after that. But man, he was just talking a storm up, asking questions. What, what is that on your head? Or what is this plain as day you could hear it? I'm like, oh, I wish I would have caught that on audio. That would have been gold. I mean, 
if you want to classify it as class A, it would have been class AAA. I mean, it was so good, but we didn't, unfortunately, we never, never got it. And I'm kicking myself in the butt. Of course, the second time is at the church. We, if we think it's, you know, a child, I mean, but other than that, no, we, ha- we really haven't. But what an amazing experience for you. I mean, obviously you'd like to have the proof for everyone else, but gosh. Yeah, I'll, I'll never. Fantastic. You know, you do this and sometimes, like you say, you get caught up in the moment and a lot of stuff happens when you're setting up too. And we learned that lesson in the, in the beginning, you know, so much stuff. I mean, we had one client where um, it was in the old coal town uh, up North Pennsylvania, old coal town and all the, the whole district, the whole city was old. And we're walking up her, her stairs and we hear this voice going, Hey, you, what are you doing? Plain as day. All of us heard it. Plain as day. Did we have any recording devices going? No, because we were too busy setting up. But we learned our lessons. The first thing we do now is set EV, static EVPs up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So so tell us about the Franklin House Tavern. Oh, wow. Franklin House. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, we didn't get too much stuff from there, but the stuff that we did get from there, we're definitely going to go back because um, um, I want to do a couple of things different than I did before. Uh, Franklin House Tavern was built back in the 1700s, pre-Revolutionary War, and Ben Franklin and George Washington used to go there to discuss uh, the future of the country, and that was one of their favorite places that uh, they used to go eat. They still have the original room, which they call the George Washington Room, um, where George Washington and Ben Franklin used to visit, used to frequent. Well, two things happened to us that night, um, and we got that on video. That's going to be part of the documentary that I'm putting together, and hopefully I'll be able to release it around September, October timeframe. Maybe October 31st might be a good release date. Anyhow, we're sitting in the George Washington Room, and the plate we shut that we completely shut the power down to the rooms that we could shut the power down in and of course the refrigerator had to stay on but that was the kitchen that was way in the back the place is huge so there was no power going to this room there there was no static static electricity in this room nothing and the table that was supposedly that Ben Franklin and George Washington sat down at or the area that they sat down you know not the original table but the area that they sat down in that place was going off the charts with EMF going off the charts with uh, um, with uh, um, all the detectors that we had were just going crazy. We couldn't put a REM pod over there because it was constantly going off. Temperature change would drop. It would fluctuate 20, 25 degree difference. We'd set it down. It would be 70 degrees. We would walk away, come back. It was 52 degrees. And of course, it was 37 degrees outside, but it was still warm and, and you know, wasn't cold, wasn't cold. It wasn't 50 degree cold. Then it would go back up to 80. Then it would go back down to 60. Just fluctuations go crazy. And we could never explain it. We tried to debunk it. I'm like, why are we getting these readings? There should be no reason why we're getting these high EMF spikes right here. So we don't know. We don't know what happened. So fast forward around the end of the night, we go upstairs and we're getting ready to close down. I have the spirit box going. We're doing a spirit box session. I have the ovulus going. He had the ghost tube app going all at the same time. I I live by the ghost tube app. I love that app. I was real skeptical about apps on the phone. Ghost tube is spot on. It's legit. I love it. Um, So we had ghost tube going. We had our ovulus going and we had the spirit box going at the same time. All three of them at the same time. We said, is there somebody here that would like to communicate with us? All three at the same time said George Washington. (laughs) Wow. We're JR and I, you know, we're both veterans. We're looking at each other going, you got to be kidding me. All three devices at the same time came up with George Washington. 
So, you know, we did our little spiel. We both stood up and saluted and said, if this is you, sir, thank you for what you've done. And, you know, uh, we said a couple of other things uh, that I won't say on your podcast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, we saluted him and it just it, it was kind of cool. Whether it was George Washington, I don't know. But if it was, that's pretty dang cool. Very cool. That is way cool. And I yeah. was going to say, when you were getting all these readings in there, it almost makes you wonder, as you were talking about, that you have these different uh planes, parallel universes. I sometimes think that what we're dealing with is a time-space overlap, something like that. So it almost makes you wonder if there's some kind of energy because of the power of the founding of a country and what they were creating there, if there's not some kind of energy that is just locked into that place for that reason. Yeah. And and I, I think so too. However, one of the things that we've been able to kind of successfully disprove, a lot of folks think that electromagnetic frequency is the key to a lot of these communications or a lot of this stuff. I believe it's RF frequency and static electricity. Um, and one, one time, and I'll tell you the reason why I believe that that's the key to this. We had the spirit box. We were in a house and it was full of carpet and we were all of us were jazzed up with static electricity. We were getting tons of stuff that night in that house. It's crazy. And um, I had, I asked the gentleman that had the spirit box to hand me the spirit box. And then we had the paralyte and we had the, um, our, our um, um, REM pod and the paralyte separate, like 20 feet apart in the same room. Well, as he was handing me the spirit box, I grabbed the spirit box and it shocked me. You could see the zap. It was plain as day. And the static electricity actually shot out almost like lightning shot out of the spirit box, the antenna, right? And it traveled through the air and the static electricity hit all our sensors. And at that time on the spirit box, we heard this, wow, did you see that? <laughs> Whoa. Stop it. Oh, my yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be in the documentary as well. Um, but yeah, and it's like, I, I, we just both looked at each other and said, I told you, I thought RF frequency and static electricity had something to do with this. And that's the way that they communicate. Um, I, I do not believe that EMF now, do I believe EMF plays a factor in it? Yes, but I don't believe it's the main factor. Like everybody thinks it is. And again, it's just a theory. I don't know if you've ever been touched by a spirit, but we both have been touched a couple of times. And the way we've always described it is it feels like static electricity. Like, you know, I don't know if you, when you were a kid, you don't have enough hair now for it. But um, <laughs> if you ever touch one of those static balls and your hair would go on end, In it kind of feels class. like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that. And it seems like every place that we've been in and including the church, now the church we last week we decided to put um, the plastic, uh, dark plastic uh, trash bags over the windows to you know to try to cut down on, on the light contamination. We did not have to use um, um, any tape. There was so much static electricity in there, and that place was damp. And you know, static electricity and dampness do not go together. That place was so damp because nobody's been in it for since last year because they close it down during the winter time. So it sat in there and was no heat in there during the winter. So everything was damp and we could literally stick um, the, the trash bags to the, to the window and they stayed there the whole night until the end of the night. We didn't use that one, one piece of tape. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to ask you for all your investigations, what do you have a favorite place? Can you pinpoint a favorite place? Definitely the church. I I love that place every time we go. I mean, there has not been a single time that we haven't went in there and got nothing. It's been off the charts every single time. And it's then the cool thing about the church is every time we go in there, we get something different and it just, it just keeps giving and giving and giving. And I don't know, I feel kind of connected to that church now, you know, since we've been in there and I've had the experiences and of course being, on the board of directors for the historical society, I get to visit it a lot more than, than I normally do. And every time I go in there, I can feel it, you know, and I don't look at myself as an empath, even though um, a couple of mediums have said, yeah, you're definitely an empath and you can feel things again, again, because I try to look at things from the scientific perspective first. Uh, But when I go in there, when I first went in there, I felt it. And every single time that I've been in there, I felt it. And you just, you know, feel it. You can cut it with a knife. 
And that was going to be my secondary question. You said that you always get activity, but you also mentioned that sometimes it's different. So no two visits are alike or are a lot of them similar? So they're, they vary. It, it varies. We get a lot of spirit box communication, but um, Maude will appear uh, a couple of times and we'll smell her. Um, you know, she's repetitive. She's in there all the time, but she only goes in there. Uh, she's only comfortable around when I'm in there. Like when, before we go into all of these locations, one thing that I like to do is I like to go in by myself and do a walkthrough and introduce myself to the spirit center in there. Tell them that we're here just to communicate with them. Tell them we're not here to harm them in any way. We have instruments here that they can touch and mess around with and it won't harm them. And if they want to communicate with us, that's fine. You know, we're not here to harm. We're not here to do anything bad to them or, or, you know, provoke or do any of that. We're just here to, to, to talk to you. And we would appreciate it. if I do that walkthrough every single time and I do it by myself. Because I want to, if there are spirits there, I want them to try to warm up, uh, you know, to the to to us, uh, you know, to get to know us a little bit better. And I feel like since we've been in that church, a few of them treat us like part of the family now. I mean, it, it's odd for me to say that. Trust me, it's odd for me to say that. But I feel when I walk in there, I feel like I'm part of a couple of those people that are in there that I'm kin that I'm that I'm a part of the, a part of them in some weird connection. And that's the reason why I go back to the church all the time. And yeah, some of it's different. Some of it's the same, but a lot of the, a lot of the elevated stuff that we get, it changes every time we go in there. It's just, it's amazing. That's something we always do when we go in and investigate is introduce ourselves to begin with. Cause we're like, it's like you're going into somebody's house and that's usually what you would do is introduce yourself and hoping that they'll introduce themselves right back to you. Right. And that's the same, that's the same uh, mentality. I, you know, I go in there, I, I go in there, you know, let, letting them know that I'm not here to disrespect them in any way. And that, you know, if you want us to leave, all you have to do is tell us to leave. We'll respect your, you know, um, your, your, your wants and, and needs and we'll leave. If you want to talk to us, you can talk to us and, you know, and I tell them the ways they can communicate with us and, and so on and so forth. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sure. And it's like going into someone's home. Right. I see a lot of folks that that don't do that. They go in there and immediately they start provoking, thinking that they're going to go in there blaring music or 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 yelling and screaming, and they're going to get the same the same you know reaction. It's like, do you not understand? If there are spirits there, they used to live there and they're still living there, so they still think that that's their residence. How would you feel if somebody walked into your place, started blaring music and yelling and screaming at you? you know, exactly, so I, just rude. It is. And I, I don't, when I see that stuff happening on, on TV or I see other groups that do that, I just, this science is a fringe science and we are trying to build a credible science behind this so that people take this science seriously. And when you see the haunted dolls and I'm not disparaging anybody out there, if you think you got a haunted doll, by all means, you know, salutes to you. Uh, I just don't think there are such things, but when you have haunted dolls and you're in there and you're yelling and screaming at the spirits and blaring music and slamming doors and throwing stuff around to me, that's not lending any credibility to this field whatsoever. And we believe that whatever energy you're bringing into a location is what you're going to get out of it. And so we're like, if you're getting attacked and pinched and pushed and, or you're feeling a lot of fear, it's because you're doing something that's instigating that because for us, We'll have people ask us all the time, what's the scariest place you've been in? And we're like, I can't really tell you that right now because I haven't been scared of any place because we don't go in there, first of all, with fear. And right. second of all, we don't go in there and, and stir up trouble. I mean, I'm not here to get into a fight with somebody. I, I want you to communicate with me. I want to have a conversation because I want to try to figure out, clearly you are very big into the history too. And it's uh -huh. like, I want to learn more about this location too. And sometimes that's one of the best ways to get it because we just don't have the records or anything else. So we want to know who's here. Why are you here? What was this used for? Why is there an energy here? And if you go in there and you're just a jerk, they're probably not going to talk to you. Or right. something's going to happen that you wish didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm true. not going to lie. 
I mean, when we investigated, when we did the overnight at Velisca, I went in a little bit apprehensive, but I wasn't fearful. And it ended up being an amazing experience. And when we investigated Squirrel Cage, that was the first time I was ever touched. And I was, you know, I always hold everything close to myself. I don't, I don't telecast it when it's happening to me. Um, yeah, she'll always whisper to me, like, something is pulling my hair or touching the back <laughs> of my neck. And she doesn't let the whole group know. And so then I'll finally say something. Well, I, I just, I don't want to change anybody else's experience or influence them. Well, and I think Big Star just probably experienced this too. I don't know if you've been with other groups, but the uh, the people that I um, interviewed on the last uh, paranormal conversation, the Tipsy Ghost, they said, you know, they'll go in and do these group investigations and they'll say, you know, there's always those one or two people in the group that they always are feeling something and something's always touching them. And so Kelly's like, I don't want anybody to think I'm that person. No, I get it. I totally get it. We did the uh, Harrisburg Insane Asylum here um, in uh, Harrisburg, PA. And um, it's we were um, the last group uh, ever to go into that place to get ready to tear it down. And so we brought a couple of extra guest groups in with us. And just like you said, there's always those folks that, you know, oh, did you hear that? Oh, I got touched. Or did you hear that? I think I got touched. Like my, And it's like constant, constant, constant. You're like, yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't want to be that girl. Well, I do have to ask. For everything that you've already investigated, is there a dream location that you have that you would like to go and investigate? A dream location? You know, it used to be Penhurst or it used to be the West Virginia prison. I can't remember off what, it, what it's called off the top of my head. Um, Moundsville? Moundsville, yeah. But they've been so sen- sensationalized now. Those places have been so, you know, so inundated with people that are going in and out of it that I, it's like, you know, I used to want to be like, oh man, that would be the, you know, the cream of the crop to go to investigate that. Now I don't have a desire to, but if I would ever want to go to one place anywhere on, on the face of the earth, it would be Alcatraz. Yeah. I'd love to visit that if for nothing else, just to see it because it's so cool. What's really neat is here in St. Augustine, Florida, which is one of the oldest cities in America, they have this place called the old jail. And when you look at the outside of it, they have these, uh, I don't know what you call them, statues that are wearing jailhouse clothes and stuff. And it looks kind of hokey on the outside, like a a tourist trap, (laughs) but it's not. When you go inside this place, it is so cool. It is haunted. And the jail, it's not very big in there. There's only a few cells, but it is the exact same mechanism that they use at Alcatraz. So it's so cool to be able to go there and at least see a piece of Alcatraz. Like this is the same kind of mechanism that works for the doors where they just flip this huge crank at the end of the thing and it makes all the cells close and open, you know, manually. Yeah. I really, you know, in, in terms of a less visited location, I really have enjoyed the jails that we've done locally they are not heavily trafficked. I mean, they do have investigations there, but overall, they're very small locations that you, I don't think you even knew about them before we started looking yeah. for places to investigate. And I think probably listening to the places that you're talking about, Sarge, is that the places that are least visited seem to have more activity just because they're not so saturated. Plus, I feel like you can almost trust the evidence that you get there more because it's not something that has come in there because there's been so many people investigating that it's attracted other spirits from somewhere else or created portals, what have you. Or they want to make money off of it. Um, So That too. Yeah, that's one of the things that's one of my pet peeves about this industry. Of course, I understand. I get it. Um, in order to preserve some of these places, yeah, yeah, you know, you have to to create some type of capital, and I understand it. So, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much. But a lot of the folks that go in, a lot of the groups that go into these places, these places have been so inundated with other groups and other members, and then you really don't get a chance to do a full investigation. You know, you have to follow them around, or they take you to places, and it's like. When I get into a place, I want to get into the place. You know, I want to go to the creepiest, darkest, dankest part of that. And I want to go to where the most chaos and carnage has. And I want to talk to the people there that experience what, if they're still around and I want them to talk to me. I had, um, you, like you said, when we first got into this, we, you know, you were, you watch TV. So you're a little scared to go into some of these places when you first do this. I'm numb. I am so numb to everything right now. Nothing really hardly scares me like it did when I first started. I mean, we used to run from shadow figures. Now we run towards them. 
And I've seen it. I've seen a shadow figure appear in front of my, you know, literally in front of me. And I was like, holy crap. And I took off running the other way. <laughs> now I seen one recently um, at a residential house. Boy, that place was crazy too. Uh, to tell you the truth, not that I'm, um, I know I'm, I'm tap dancing all over the place here, but residentials is where it's at. You got to residential places are the best haunted locations I think ever. But anyhow, I seen a, um, I can't, it just looked like a ball of smoke up here. And it just, it, it just appeared and it started forming. It didn't really form like a human shape or anything. It just looked like a big blob. And we were probably 20 foot away from it. And this was, you know, we had the lights on, we were setting up. And unfortunately we didn't have any cameras rolling. We had audio rolling, but we didn't have any cameras rolling. And I'm like, I had the EMF detector in my hand. And I'm like, I looked at, I said, JR, I said, ghost bait, look. And he looked over, he goes, holy crap, what the hell is that? And I started running towards it. And as soon as I ran towards it, just as fast as it appeared, it, it disappeared just that fast. So now instead of us running away from them, we've run into them. And I don't know if that's safe or not, but we're doing it. <laughs> the first thing I ever saw was closest thing I've seen to a full bodied apparition was a full on shadow figure. And it was right in front of my face. And it literally recognized that I watched it walk in front of me, came back, knelt down because I was in a chair. And was like face to face with me. And it was amazing. I thought, you know, the first time I ever actually see something, I'm probably going to freak out. I was just more like just absolutely amazed and so excited. (laughs) And I told Kelly because we had watched a slideshow before this and they had pictures of the family that had owned this. This is the McPike Mansion in Alton, Illinois. His wife, they thought that this was Henry, the guy who'd owned the mansion to begin with and had it built. And I thought that Kelly favored his wife a little bit. I thought that once I saw her picture. So I said, I kind of envisioned what he did is it's like he walked past her and then he did like a double take, like, whoa, you kind of look like whatever his wife's name is. I can't remember and got down closer and kind of looked at her like, huh? And then walked away. So I just thought not only did it it show that this was something that was intelligent because it was stopping to look at her, but like she said, it, it didn't even scare her. She was just like, that was so cool. Oh, and yeah, I didn't was- I didn't even make the correlation until the next day or, or later that night, I think, when you said that about me favoring his wife. I just thought he saw me going, you know, it was pitch black, but I could still see him. Mm-hmm. And just as my head was following him going across, I thought he was recognizing that and coming back. <laughs> Not only is it just exciting, it's invigorating. It just makes you want to do it more and more. It certainly does. I mean, it, you get your adrenaline flowing in these in these um, in these uh, in these places, and it's it's you just keep going and going and going, and you can't wait to get to your next one. I mean, we were doing, we had to take a break because we were, we were getting to we were getting to burnout. We literally had uh, our first year, and this was during COVID. Our first year, we had back to back investigations for the whole year, almost eight months straight, weekend to weekend to weekend to weekend, and a couple during the week. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And and now it's kind of slowed down a little bit, but uh, we're taking two months off right now to kind of, you know, refresh, refresh or regenerate or recharge your batteries, charge our batteries. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Uh, A lot of folks go on vacation during this time that are in their group. So this is kind of our vacation time and and we're going to probably get back to it in the end of July. Sarge, you have a master's in forensic, is it psychology? psychology? Yep. It made me wonder what do you think that that adds to your investigating, not only with the techniques that you use, but do you think that maybe it gives you a, a certain level of, I don't know, empathy with whatever these spirits are that you're talking to or whatever it is that you're talking to? Yes, it certainly does. Some of the, uh, some of the techniques that we learned in school, you can actually apply uh, to the paranormal, which is, which is phenomenal, especially when you're trying to communicate with some of these uh, um, uh, entities because you can actually sit there and profile an entity that you're speaking with or talking to because they still have sound inflection. They still have tone of voice, their communication method towards you. You can analyze all of this stuff and kind of put into perspective whether this was a good person or a bad person, a confused person, a sad person, or so on and so forth. So yeah, it really has helped, especially in, in, the, in the profile side of it. Where is Harrisburg, Pennsylvania located? South Central PA, about an hour north of Baltimore. Okay. Have you been to Gettysburg? 
Oh, yeah, numerous times. We haven't investigated Gettysburg um, because it's hard to get in there to investigate. Uh, the only times that you technically can investigate is during the daytime, and it stays packed in there um, all the time, especially during the summertime. And, and in the wintertime, it's closed down, so you can't get in there. But there is a bridge called Saks Bridge that we're going to get to over the summertime. And <clears throat> it has a lot of people that have been there have gotten a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, evidence from there. We're going to go there. Um, so hopefully we can get that. That's cool. We have a really good friend who was a tour guide down in New Orleans. And after they got hit over and over again and COVID and everything, he finally said, you know, I've got to get out of New Orleans and go somewhere else. So he relocated to Gettysburg. And so he's been doing tours up there. And was it like two weekends ago, he did a Facebook live from the Saks Bridge. And it was very cool to see that. That's cool. Yeah. You need to put me in touch with that guy. I had actually, uh, there was a gentleman that had an investigation slash uh, ghost tour um, that was in uh, Gettysburg. They were called After Dark Investigations. They actually moved down to Florida. So they're in Florida right now, but he had um, that's how I originally, uh, you know, met a lot of these people that are involved in, at least in this local community through him. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to get over to that bridge when we head up there in August. Yeah. We're going to be passing through this, uh, summer. We're doing a little road trip up to Salem. So we're going to do a night in Gettysburg. Come on, You guys have to do a night at the church with us. Come on. You cannot come through here and not come and visit the church. You have to let me know. I don't care if it's just for a couple of hours. You okay. have to experience the church. It's not right. far from Gettysburg. It we'll looks like it, it might be on the path. So uh, we might have to do that. All right. Well, you're more than welcome. That would be amazing. We're just, we're kind of pressed for time. Our oldest is coming in and he's always wanted to go up to Salem and um, see the USS Salem experience everything. So we're going to hit Colonial Williamsburg and we, we've got a few stops along the way, but from Salem, we were going to head up to Gettysburg and. Yeah, That's we're trying to pack as much as we can into it as possible. So <laughs> I'd love it. I know you would too. Yeah. Jared became. Absolutely. <laughs> so you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. I used to have disembodied voices, but um, I'm actually transitioning over to a new podcast called Haunts and Hooch. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so uh, I, one of my team members, um, she does uh, beer reviews. Um, she does uh, uh, IPAs and, and sours and sweets and all that. There Cheers. you go. <laughs> <laughs> she was wanting to do something for a very long time. And, and Disembodied Voices was really, really good podcast. But I've been wanting to do something in regards to that as well. So I said, listen, why don't we team up? create a podcast where we sit there um, and we can go to a local brewery if we want to one day and, and get a flight of beer. She's going to be the beer person. I'm going to be the cocktail and wine person. And we're going to rate and talk about, you know, we're going to pick a flight and she's, I'm going to pick a, a tasting. She's going to pick a flight and we're going to talk about what we're tasting and talk about paranormal stuff. That sounds so, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's very fun. We'll definitely be listening to that. And, you know, there's a lot of haunted breweries out there too. And wineries. We just did the Belvoir Winery is our latest episode. So. And what's the brewery? <laughs> Moon, Moonlight? Moon, is it Moon, Moon River? I think Moon it's Moon River, River in Savannah. Brewing. Yep. Oh, Savannah's really haunted. I love Savannah when I was stationed at Fort Stewart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just love that city anyway. Sometimes at night it gets a little crazy, especially in the summer with the tourists and you got the bachelorette parties riding around on their bike drinking tours or whatever. But... <laughs> or they're all pedaling kind of yeah. <laughs> around a table. Sarge, can you tell everybody where they can find out more about uh, Ghost Ops Paranormal and you? Sure. Uh, you can go to www.ghostopsparanormal.org. That's our website. We have all the information on there. Or you can search for us on YouTube or search for us on Facebook. And I am on Instagram at para, uh, paranormal hunter underscore one zero one. So you can add me on that as well. So awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. Yeah, I've it's, had a great time. Thank you. It's been great getting to know you. Thank you, Big Sarge. Likewise. Kelly, I know he got us looking at our map and going, you know, when we're doing that road trip, it is right above Gettysburg. It's not too far away. So now we're trying to figure out if it's possible for us to stop in and check out that church. Oh, yeah. I'm already planning on it. We just need to work out the deets. Yeah, it's just they have gotten so much evidence there that how can we resist? 
I've also really been enjoying these conversations. We've been talking to a wide variety of people and getting all different theories, all different pieces of evidence from all different locations. These have been great. I hope the listeners have been enjoying it. As do I. I want to thank you guys for joining us for this paranormal conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 